0: Come
1: on.
0: Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Peter Hug. Peter, are you ready to do this?
1: I am, George. Pleasure to be here.
0: Excellent. Let's do this. Peter. Is the Director of Global trading for Kitco Metals. He has worked in the space since 1974. He's a sought-after expert and frequent speaker on the subject matter as well. I'm excited to have you on. Peter, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do.
1: Well, it happened by accident, as most things do in life. Uh, I came out of university in '73, out of the University of Toronto, with the aspirations of becoming a teacher. And uh, at that time in uh, Canada, well, in Ontario, where I uh, grew up, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, uh, teaching jobs were non existent. And uh, a buddy of mine that uh, I worked with in a restaurant as I was paying my way through university uh, was a Swiss trained banker who couldn't find a job in Canada because he didn't have Canadian experience. Wow. Ended up at a foreign exchange company, which at that time, was the largest in the world, a company called Deke Pereira. They had uh, offices in 80 countries. And uh, he asked me if I was interested in being a foreign exchange trader. Of course, I had no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And I started at uh, Deke Pereira in 73, and uh, it was just a coincidence, but within uh, six months, uh, due to people leaving... uh, Being fired, Uh, I found myself the head trader for the Canadian operation for Deke Pereira for their foreign exchange unit. Then in 76, there was a financial institution uh, that was based in Quebec, Canada, that was uh, worried about the Quebec referendum about leaving Canada. They decided, uh, their board of directors decided it might be appropriate to open up an office outside of the province. They opened up one in Toronto. Offered me a job to run their foreign exchange operation and uh, also to add a precious metals component uh, to the, uh, to the uh, service platform. And we were fortunate enough to uh, have a fairly sophisticated precious metals uh, 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 program in place prior to the 7980 uh, bull market in gold that saw gold first touch 850 and silver at $50. And we became, next to uh, Scotia Makata, the second largest wholesale gold dealer in Canada. And that lasted through 92 when uh, the company was sold to a French uh, uh, domiciled bank in Quebec. Uh, At that point, I had young kids and uh, didn't want to relocate to Quebec and uh, decided to leave the business in 92. Ended up... uh, becoming the CEO of a publicly traded company that introduced microchip identification to pets in North America. A uh, did, natural did, transition. Yeah, real natural. Uh, then I did that uh, until 2000, still sort of uh, trading uh, precious metals on the side for a couple of my larger wholesale clients. Uh, Then I moved to the Bahamas for three years, uh, traded precious metals out of the Bahamas. Then I went to New Zealand uh, for a year and a half, traded uh, precious metals for a a firm there. Uh, And then in 2010 uh, was offered, uh, Kitco called me, Uh, the owner of Kitco happened to be, uh, which was unknown to me, was actually a client of of ours when I was running the bank's operation. he had grown from, uh, Kitco had grown from seven employees to 220, and he uh, called me and asked me if I'd be interested in running his precious metals division, and uh, that's where I am today.
0: A long, strange trip, sir. <laughs> <laughs> or, maybe, maybe not that strange at all, but I have to yep. imagine that you were certainly, be, it sounds like you became a, an absolute expert early on, and expertise is always a, always a sought-after thing. So... <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that very much. So, after 44 years, give or take, how, how would you describe the current state of, of precious metals?
1: You know, that's a great question. Uh, about three years ago, I took a look at, uh, you know, what the differences were um, in the markets today relative to what they were in 79, 80. Uh, I mean, the obvious difference was we had no computers. Uh, we were still using IBM Selectric typewriters uh... there were uh, there was no internet so the speed of communication was uh, considerably slower than it right. is today. everything was done by a phone call there was one service provider in the market that offered uh... precious metals quotes and that was reuters uh, so it was uh... when you compare it to today uh, obviously very archaic but the irony of it was when i when i looked back at seventy nine eighty and i looked at what uh, you know what's happened to the precious metals market in the last forty four years uh, it's astounding that very little has changed uh, you know the only two new products that are basically on the market today that weren't around back in uh, in 7980 are the etfs and there was a version of an etf they were called uh, they were sort of mutual funds but uh, you know not to the degree that etfs are are traded in today uh, and there are some esoteric products on the futures markets like being able to trade uh, ratios which weren't available back in 7980 but pretty much everything else was. I mean, you could you know invest in mining stocks, physical bullion. You could trade futures. You could trade options. Uh, there were managed accounts. Uh, so, uh, you know, not a lot has changed in forty-four years, other than the technology.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and certainly the technology has changed immensely. Which, 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 you, obviously, you just mentioned that. So, um, something I'm. I'm curious about, it, it seems like a lot of the the rules of thumb or some of the rules of thumb in the, the general stock market, um, it's it's harder to trust those the way that maybe that it used to be. And market cycles are stranger. We're obviously in the, the longest bull run in, in, in the history of the market. Um, do you think that, that the way the commodities act is still similar or in line with, with the way that they always have? Is gold still a safe haven, for example?
1: Well, you know, you use that word. I mean, uh, the, the problem I have with gold um, is, you know, I've never been one of these proponents that, you know, have indicated the end of the world is coming and gold is going to go to $20,000 an ounce and the financial system is is going to basically uh, go by the wayside and, you know, you need gold to be able to barter for your survival down the road. I, I've just never been in <laughs> uh i I know it sounds humorous, but there is a significant uh, percentage of investors uh, specifically in the US that that have that belief and and are responsible for buying a, a pretty sizable percentage of the physical uh, product that's available in the market. But when I look at the at the markets, what has really changed and created a fundamental difference in the markets uh, today, uh, whether they be the equity markets or the commodity markets is the speed of a transaction and the fact that it's done by computers. Um, so, you know, all the guys coming out with MBAs right now, they, they learn how to create algorithms and uh, they, the computer basically just does it on its own. So, you know, when, a, just a bad not a bad example, but an example, if you were trading the gold-silver ratio and it came to, it got to a certain point, it doesn't take a manual approach to do the trade. I mean, everything is is programmed into the computer. When it happens, it's instantaneously filled. And then depending on the size of the transaction, it could influence the market. So what you have is, is the mechanics of the market are similar. The reasons why the market moves are similar. But the speed and the volatility of the markets due to computer trading uh, is, is really what's creating more volatility today than we saw back in the day when it was a more manual process.
0: Got it. So many of the fundamentals are still the same. It's just a matter of things moving way faster and information is flowing around way just considerably quicker. So. It-
1: Instantaneous. I mean, you know, when an unemployment report comes out at 8.30, literally a, millise- a millisecond after 8.30, the markets are moving because the computers have picked up the information and they're trading faster than you can push a button. So uh, uh, that's really what's happened. So when you have a news event, it could be an unemployment report, it could be a Fed meeting. Uh, the the movement uh, when that news breaks is so quick that manually it's impossible to stay on top of the trade. So you've got to either be positioned in front of the trade uh, and hope you're right uh, on what news is going to break, or or you go into the news uh, release flat and then hope you can catch the market after the release. Got it.
0: So is it fair to say that that you think that commodities are, or rather metals are in an efficient marketplace then, with all the available information being
1: being in the price? They are on the uh, futures market and, and the wholesale market. They're extremely efficient. Um, I mean, to, to the fraction of a penny. I mean, a dealer will figure out if there's a premium for London delivery gold against New York delivery gold. Uh, again, the computer will work out exactly what a shipping cost is, and he'll... Uh, the computer will tell him whether there's an arbitrage there or not, and, and instantaneously put on the trade before the uh, trader is even aware that a trade has taken place. So, in that context, it, it keeps the markets honest uh, relative where uh, where the price should be um, in, in respect to uh, various global markets.
0: Okay, so there's a lot of folks here in the United States who are fearful and thinking that. When the world goes sideways they're going to actually need physical gold to be able to buy things Mm -hmm. do you have a sense of what percentage of the market that really is when people are let's i'll I'll refer to that as as acting emotionally how, how how that's impacting the market
1: um Again, you know, when I when I looked at the sort of differences uh, from forty odd years back to today uh, relative to products, I also looked at the psychologies of the investors that I ran into back in uh, you know the late '70s, and uh, again uh, between uh, between the two thousand eight two thousand eleven period, and quite frankly, even recently. And, you know, my, my question that's always asked of me when I, when I speak at a conference or I run into people and uh, they find out what I do for a living is, uh, you know, should I buy gold? And, uh, again, gold's not the be-all, end-all um, in, uh, in, it, from an investment perspective. There are times that uh, you want to be more aggressively invested in gold and times when you want to uh, lighten up, much the same as you would with a, with a stock or a bond. But when I looked at the group uh, of investors that, that that have asked me that question, they, they sort of fall into uh, three primary categories. I've added a fourth category, I'll, uh, and I'll just quickly go over them. And, and you know, the first category is the one you're referring to now, where, where people believe uh, that uh, the financial system is going to collapse. Uh, fiat currencies are not going to be used anymore. Um and uh, they want to buy gold. Uh, they have no trust of, uh, in the system, so they don't allow the dealer to hold the gold for them. Uh, they don't trust ETFs, they don't trust mutual funds, uh, they don't trust anything that's regulated. Uh, they want to take delivery of the gold uh, to their home, and uh, you know what they do with it after that is anyone's guess. Uh, uh, I can give you a story back from the late 70s when I ran into an investor with that psychology. About three years after he had bought some 50,000 ounces of silver and 1,000-ounce bars, uh, he invited me to a party, and we were sitting out on his patio with a group of people, and he said, How do you like my patio? And I said, It looks okay to me. And he said, What do you think about the paver stones? And I said, Pretty good job, whoever did it for you. He said, You know, you're standing on 50,000 ounces of silver (laughs) He had taken the silver bars uh, and he had turned them into paver stones and then he had them painted. So there was absolutely no way you could tell they were silver bars. Wow. Um, and obviously other people stick it under their bed they have, uh, uh, you know, or wherever they, uh, wherever they uh, feel comfortable holding their gold. The, the, the problem I have with the argument is that if you have a, uh, a total collapse of the fiat cur- uh, currency system, uh, uh, the question is what value does gold then have? Uh, Because if you're sitting there and you're struggling and you have sort of an an apocalyptic event, uh, you're going to go to your neighbor because you're likely going to be looking either for food or for some form of energy, you know, whether it's gasoline or, uh, you know, a generator or whatever. Uh, And it's highly unlikely in my perspective that this neighbor will give you his food if you give him a one ounce gold bar. Uh, because, quite frankly, what is he going to do with the one-ounce gold bar if the financial system has collapsed? I mean, uh, where do you barter that gold from from a value perspective uh, where it has tangible meaning to somebody that's looking for food or looking for gasoline for their car uh, or a generator for their home? So uh, I, I'm not convinced of the argument, uh, I do believe, though, that, uh, that uh, individuals that, that have that belief don't trust the system and holding gold physically at home uh, is a viable option to them. Um, and, uh, you know, should we get another 2008 uh, type of uh, scenario, uh, gold will certainly go higher. And in that context, uh, they, uh, they will have uh, protected uh, the, uh, their assets to, to some extent by holding gold the second group i call the conservative investor and and these are uh, individuals that want to hold a portion of their gold uh, in their portfolio as as you know they use the word uh, we will use the word that everyone uses as insurance against uh, you know any type of geopolitical event or financial uh, event that could cause the balance of their portfolio to suffer they want it they want some hedge in their portfolio so they buy gold uh, these investors uh, uh, are comfortable with ETFs. Uh, they're also comfortable with physical gold. Uh, they're also comfortable with uh, allowing the dealer to hold their gold in uh, segregated storage in case they want to liquidate, um, so they have liquidity. Uh, but all the analysts that, that sort of come out and, and just sort of uh, uh, you know parrot the, the concept, you have to hold 10% of your assets in gold, they don't complete the sentence. Uh, and, you know, the sentence is that gold is, is, is an asset just the way a stock or a bond uh, is an asset within your portfolio. And it's important that you recalibrate your portfolio, you know, whether you do it every three months, six months, or once a year. And in that context, gold being part of your portfolio needs to be recalibrated as well. So just to give you some simple math examples, if in 2008, you had bought gold at $800 an ounce in 2011 it's sitting at $1900 an ounce uh, I pretty much guarantee you that if you went into the trade with a 10% allocation that your gold is probably now rep- uh, representing maybe 15 18% of your portfolio you need to liquidate that uh, 5 or 8% to bring it back down to 10 uh, you know vice versa had you got in in 2011 at uh, at $1925 and then in 2010 uh, Uh, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, 2015, gold was down at, uh, you know, 1080 Your gold position probably wasn't 10% anymore. It was probably now 4%. So now you need to buy 6%. So if you recalibrate your gold holding, if you're of the mindset that it's an insurance position, you'll tend to add to your gold positions as the gold price drops and liquidate into strength at the same time always having that 10% insurance position uh, in in your portfolio. The third group are traders. They have no loyalty. They could be bullish at nine o'clock, bearish at 9.01. They're in the game strictly for capital gains. Uh, They tend to want to go into instruments that are uh, tight uh, in the sense of a spread. They don't want to overcome a significant spread before they're in a capital gain position. Uh, These individuals tend to be active in the futures market, uh, options market, wherever they can get leverage. And the fourth group I throw in uh, anecdotally because it does take off a a relatively uh, good supply of physical material in the market on an annual basis. And I, I call these guys sort of the collectors. And, you know, they buy stuff that is issued by the Royal Canadian Mint, U.S. Mint, you know, where they come up with an animal coin or, uh, you know, a commemorative coin or, you know, or something. uh, And they just think it's cool. Uh, You know, they like the design of an airplane comes in a nice box. Uh, The premiums are horrendous. They're terrible investments. Uh, but, you know, people like to collect that stuff, give it to their grandkids or whatever. And that stuff, when you buy it, tends to come off the market and stay off the market for a long time until uh, these people tend to die. And then their kids find it and then they end up selling it uh, on the secondary market to dealers for whatever they can get for it. Right. So those are some of the four groups that, 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 that have been consistent right through 73 uh, when gold first started trading freely. I think that's a great breakdown, so I, I, I appreciate that.
0: Uh, Peter, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: I recommend clients do is, you know, again, this doesn't matter whether you're buying gold or you're buying uh, equities. Is, is You need to have a game plan going into it. You, you try to... Uh, Keep emotion out of your investment uh, investment plans. Again, whether you buy gold or Apple stock or, or bonds, I mean, uh, don't get don't get hyped in uh, by people. You know, do your homework, and you know I'm gonna gonna put a plug in here for Kitco, and 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 um, anybody that knows me, uh, I'm extremely transparent, and I'm not the kind of guy that sits there and hypes the company that I'm working for. But what I find uh, unique to Kitco is that uh, we have a chinese wall between our media department and uh, our trading operation and on kiku.com we publish in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 uh, analytic reports and commentaries every day and they're not all bullish uh, sometimes you'll have a day where a lot of them are all bearish uh, but what they do is uh, and these are industry leaders, uh, both in the mining side and also in the uh, in the physical and uh, and the uh, leveraged precious metals market. You can actually try to educate yourself as to why things are happening, why the markets are moving. So, you know, I think that's really important that you understand why you're buying gold, not because your neighbor thinks it's you know, going to ten thousand dollars an ounce or, uh, you know, you need to understand why you're buying gold. And these, you know, these uh, commentaries and these reports at least um, will give you the basis to understand why the market is moving, where it's likely to move. You can then look at that and then make an educated decision that if you want to get into the market, what is the best vehicle that suits your, uh, first of all, your psychology, uh, your risk parameters, uh, and and your ultimate goal as to why you would be buying gold in the first place. So that would be my advice.
0: Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So I appreciate that, Peter. And you mentioned kitco.com, and you're producing 20 to 30 articles every day, reports every day, and that's, that's, that's incredible. Where, where else can people find more about you and, and Kitco?
1: Well, that's our primary site. Uh, generally, uh, de- you know, depending on the market volatility, I, I post a commentary uh, at least twice, sometimes three times a week. Uh, but the caveat being that this is oriented towards traders. So I give support resistance lines, I, I give my suggestions of where I think uh, the price of gold is going to go uh, during the day in very short term. Uh, it's not a long term uh, uh, you know, type of blog, it's just a quickie, uh, about four or five sentences of what's happened overnight and where I think the uh, support resistance lines are and where I think the market may go. Um, and um, you know I can always be reached at Kiko at pug uh at uh, for anybody that has uh, specific questions can't promise I'll get back same day but I generally do get back within 48 hours um, so that's how you can reach me uh, and uh, you know the site is uh, we've uh, the, the other thing uh, uh, that that I would also mention to investors that are buying precious metals, especially uh, uh, investors that are holding the metals with the dealer. You know, check your dealer out, you know. uh, It's very easy today to set up a precious metals company. I mean, you can set up a a website in 20 minutes, and uh, a lot of the big wholesale dealers will offer you consignment. So it's relatively easy to get into the business. It's relatively tough uh, to make money in the business and to stay uh, from a longevity perspective. So look at some of the dealers that that you're dealing with, Uh, you know, see if they've gone through the ups and downs in a market. Uh, You know, a lot of the dealers that got in in 2008, I mean, if you could chew gum and walk, you could make money because the market went straight up. Uh, See what kind uh, how many of those dealers are still around today after the market has come back 40 or 50 percent. I mean, kieko has been around since 79 um, so it's important also to see, uh, you know, the the history of the dealer and the comfort level of a dealer, especially if you're going to be storing metals with them.
0: Excellent. I think that that's great advice. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Peter your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out all the great stuff on kitco.com and even shoot him an email. Thank you again, Peter.